Welcome to Different Gravy, not just another Chef of Wednesday podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Richard Miller, and my co-host, the Tower of Power, too sweet to be sour, funky like a monkey. Ooh, yeah. Luke Gledall. How are you doing today, Luke? Good. Um, what's, what's Channeling Macho Man. I'm feeling uh, we need okay. a boost. Um, and I think Macho Man is the one, is the man to do it, is the man to bring it to us. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. How are you today, Rich? I'm I'm all right. I mean, we'll mm. we'll get into things, but we had mm. plans and um, plans were scuppered. Things were changed. Mm. Uh, <laughs> we can talk about that, can't we? But uh, Luke, um, various podcasts called called in legal experts, financial experts to talk about the reduction in the financial fair play penalty. But I think we've got a bit of a scoop here. We've gone one better. Uh, it's been a busy week for him, but he managed to carve out a bit of time for us. But we, we've got actually Donald Trump to, to look into this. Hello, different gravy. Different gravy. What an important podcast. Finally, someone is talking about the sport that people in America care about the least, which is soccer. But your team is called Sheffield Wednesday. So maybe you're doing a big Britain. Maybe you're in Britain. I don't know what you're doing. Maybe I don't know what you're doing. Maybe you call it football. You're doing football. You know what? America could still... We didn't have to even call it soccer. We could call it football. If we did with an Australian, how they do Aussie rules football, which is basically just rugby, rugby, and everyone's tackling each other and rubbing their stuff in each other's faces and everything. Well, rugby... But rec- rugby, rugby... It's a hard one to say. But we love Sheffield Soccer Team Wednesday. Good job for you guys. You had, but this is awful. This is where the fraud really comes in. And you see people doing things that they've never, you've never seen stuff like. Very bad things are happening to Sheffield Wednesday. Very bad. Very bad things are happening to Sheffield Wednesday. You guys had 12 points taken off of you for overspending by the EFL which has since been reduced to six points, but they still took everything off you because you overspent, and the EFL was way out of line, okay? Way out of line. We saw a similar thing happen with our election. We saw a similar thing happening with our election. We we had people who were saying, we're going to do democracy, and it's going to be good. We're going to expand elderly democracy and make it so that everybody can vote, and then suddenly people's ghosts and people's dogs and Frankensteins are... Of voting, and you know what? The Frankensteins, these are not our people. They're not our people. When you have Frankensteins voting on something, suddenly we're not doing an election anymore. We're doing, we're doing Frankensteins. We're doing, we're doing monsters, universal classic monsters. And this is not what the American people signed up for, and this is not what they'd like to happen. We, there really needs to be a compromise, and it needs to be just for the humans. And no more of these space monsters and Star Wars is voting in our elections anymore. We need to stop the steal and fight the fraud. I hope that you guys stop the steal with EFL because it's so crazy that EFL would be shaving off your lead because you had a really impressive lead, didn't you? 12 points in soccer. That's like a 400-point basketball game or something. Why don't you guys play a real sport like basketball? Basketball's fun to watch. 
Soccer's not fun to watch. Watch a bunch of kindergartners smacking each other in the shin. Anyway, I hope you have a beautiful day. Different gravy. Good job for you. Good job with your podcast and everything. Wow. Who would have, who would have thought that we would have managed to get such a big draw to this podcast? And it was interesting that he, he seemingly knew a bit more about the podcast than actually about the football team itself. So there we go. That's, that's, uh, that's how big our stock is getting, folks. I mean, obviously, he's looking for something new to do with his life. And maybe he has his eyes on punditry. You know, Lee Dixon better watch out because the Donald is, uh, is on his way. I would much prefer match of a day with Donald Trump. <laughs> Anything's got to be better than Danny Murphy. Mm-hmm. I do believe you've got something from from the network to 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 give us. And it's another great time piece of uh, drama from Hours mm-hmm. and Prime. It's another oh. artful period drama. It's the Monk's Gambit. And what better time to look at the gripping story of young managerial prodigy Gary Monk and his rags to riches to rags to riches to rags cyclical story. <laughs> Monkey has played massively throughout all ages of his life by This Is England's Thomas Turgoose. <laughs> we joined Monk as an, as an orphan, where after surviving a car crash that killed both his parents, he was permanently scarred from the accident with a coy look on his face. <laughs> there in the orphanage, he became addicted to a mind-numbing sister drug to ketamine, without the benefits, and his love of dour chess. <laughs> it was an aptitude of plodding stro and slow and strategic chess strategies that defined his transition to his blossoming football manager managerial career. Watch as the man who mastered the Sicilian defense transition to the Monkeyan defense of claiming that's what's wrong is a series of individual areas and now work to fix on the training ground. <laughs> Monk's Gambit will make you say we're forked. <laughs> oh, superb. And well, yeah, I mean, you've got to strike while the iron's hot with that type of uh, drama, haven't you? And uh, exactly. Fantastic. I mean, the, the, the thing, thing that surprises me the most, the Rich, the thing that surprises yeah. me the most is obviously this kind of mirrors and kind of looks after, you know, the Queen's Gambit, which has come out and is also a very excellent show on Netflix, I must say. Um, you know, it's, it's a bit like when um, when Ants came out. And Disney came out with The Bug's Life. It's exactly the same. It's just it's just <laughs> what happens in Hollywood. <laughs> oh dear. Would that be your preference out of those two movies? You're you're more of an Ants guy than a Bug's Life guy. I don't know if I've seen. You're a staunch Woody Allen supporter still to this day. Aren't you? <laughs> I think that's the main thing. <laughs> uh, I I think I would go for a Bug's Life. I mean, it's it is Pixar, isn't it? You can't. Yeah, it's pretty much wrong. DreamWorks sometimes uh, can be a bit up and down. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you haven't, I don't think you've sort of talked about it on this podcast very much, but you sort of, occasionally you've sort of said to me, if you make Annie Hall, you can get away with it all. Uh, And I I think that's quite a controversial take. (laughs) 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 We we should bail. This is, we should pull up. This is. uh, Exactly. Yeah. You've, you've, you've made your point, Rich. You've made your comedic point. Breaking hoo-hoos. Well, it's another big, big week in the Wednesday sphere. Um, somewhat surprisingly, the first uh, the first bit of news, I think we were sort of talking about how Gary Monk had had a kind of nine lives type effect where... It didn't seem to be, matter whether the news for Wednesday was positive or negative. It somehow gave him a, a shot in the arm in terms of the um, the life force of his uh, 
his reign as Sheffield Wednesday manager. But it turns out that actually good things happening didn't help him in this case. And uh, Monday Monday evening, we got the news that Gary Monk had been sacked. Were you yeah. surprised, taken aback? I was. I was. Because, um, I, mean, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, we said, I, I weirdly called this myself. Because I, mm. I said after... Was it the Wickham game? He should be fired now, but he'll probably be given after the, to the, you know, to the international break. Yeah. And that felt definitely the time after losing four games on the bounce, three of which against pretty ho-hum opposition, I want to say. Um, Brentford, yeah. the only one, would probably be like, sure, okay, we can kind of sacrifice that as a game. That felt like the time. That felt like the time to pull the trigger. But it wasn't the time to pull the trigger. So then it's it's really surprised me. The thing that kind of upsets me is it's like we had such a that, that was a really positive week last week, the week before this one. It, you know, it the was. last the last episode we covered. Yeah, with the week of the you know, the week of beating spawnly beating Bournemouth and getting a point against Millwall. And and then having, you know, Nick DeMarco banging a couple of hat tricks in two separate games in the courtroom. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so that just felt such a positive. It I mean we're here we're now this is the problem. I mean it's 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 interesting for timing that we do this. I saw other Wednesday podcasts, Al's America's record midweek. I think Wednesday week did one. Um Dom and James was singing the blues did one to kind of say, Look, here's a manager fired. And you know, every it's it's kind of a rush to kind of look back and kind of uh, the thing that kind of upsets me it, for a few reasons is we now don't have, I would have liked to have the period to kind of look back on Gary Monk's time and just kind of make a certain amount of sense of it all. Um, it wasn't good enough, but it had a few, it had a few moments. I think the problem was it never really in this managerial linking names, which we can't really get into and can't really have any fun with that. Lee Johnson was named Lee Johnson was called streaky Lee um, yes. by fans in the media. I, I don't know who really came because he had a, a habit of going on good runs and then having bad runs. We yeah. never had a good run under Gary Monk. We had plenty of bad runs. We had a few sprinkled results in there, but it never felt like any consistent good spell. And it felt like we were waiting for that. And it felt like that was owed to us if we believed the cut of Monk's jib. I I like Monk. I liked Monk. I, I It was only really near the end where I got upset with... The monkey in defense. The monkey in defense. Because yeah. I, I, for the most part of the time, I didn't think the guy was a man who was deluded. I thought he was a man with plenty of faith and belief in himself. Mm. There were no moments where he was coming out with words and we all kind of look at each other and say, this guy's an absolute chancer who's, who's in above his head and he's out of ideas. Do you not Do you not think that maybe that had started to creep in a little bit? Because I, th- I thought there was some... It's uh, interestingly his statement post sacking doubles down on this, but I thought he was there's an element of trying to sort of rewrite history a little bit with the way he was looking at the run of games. So like the four games was getting counted as two bad performances, and it's like, but you've lost four times in a row, Gary. So it's like, oh, it's you know, oh yeah, we have put pressure on ourselves with with two bad performances in a row, but it's like. It, it was three teams we should have beaten out of those four games. Let's be honest. If we if we've got hopes of being doing anything other than just staving off relegation by the merest margin, 
Mm. We had to be looking to win at least two of those four games. And to lose all four of them was was terrible, frankly. And then mm-hmm. to kind of have the revisionist image of it that he's almost completely given up on the... Like the Brentford game, there was no chance at all. And one of them, because we kind of got stuck in, that wasn't a bad performance. So he was letting himself off for that one as well. And that, that to me, was a bit worrying because I, I I agree. I think he's been honest and open before. But that's... It just felt like he was starting to try and like edit history to make himself... Yeah, so. I get that. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know why I've maybe been my own monkey in defence of Gary Monk. <laughs> you know, I, I don't quite know exactly what it is. And people would come out and say, you're an idiot, Luke. And, you know, and, and say, and that, I'd think that'd be a fair, <laughs> that'd be a fair judgment um, <laughs> of myself and my own handling and look at this situation. Um, I, I believed his rhetoric a lot. Maybe yeah. that was the problem. Uh, maybe he's, he's very good as a rhetorician. I mean, he's also survived some pretty disparate kind of times in Wednesday's history yeah. in recent history this has been a, a year like no other effectively mm-hmm. um, I don't know we can still talk about what was the catalyst to make everything just for it seemed one of the big catalysts seemed to be Stephen Fletcher getting injured that seemed to be the big thing but it, um, it really meant that we had zero plan B from you know new year onwards really and then pandemic yeah. happened then lockdown we come back we're in this incredibly weird negotiation. There's this charge looming over the heads of the players, which I think has had an effect, even though they'll probably come out and be like, oh, no, no, it hasn't. You know, still business as usual. Yeah. Um, it's been, I, it's given him a lot more time than it, probably in a regular season it would have. I don't know if it would have been that much better in a regular season, but I, I, I think it's almost been, it's been, I think it's, it's had a weird, mild positive to have him kind of sustain i don't i don't know i don't know how things would be different if this appointment which will come to was installed in the summer and also i think there's a disappointing thing that chancery was a man with a lot of faith in, in gary monk and i think around the time and if you look at the timeline everyone bemoans the fact that you know we've given this guy a, a fair chunk of change to make a conduct a big squad surgery mm. and bring in all his backroom staff to quite a heavy tune and now they're all dismissed and now they're all gone. Yeah, I mean, we, we don't know what the tune was because obviously we didn't commit to him when it was going to cost us money. We didn't we didn't bring those coaching staff in last season because he was here. Monk was here for most of last season. He didn't. He missed the start and obviously missed. Mm. The, um, but so we don't know what the terms were. That it may well have been we because we never announced how long the managers' contracts are. So. It's not on. It's not out of this the question to think that Chancery might have said you can have your staff in, but we're going to put clauses in that you know if you go they go too or whatever. Or like you know that the, this level of severance and things like that might might well have been agreed in advance, and it might not be too painful for us. I don't know. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I would to an extent. I would hope we would have had an eye on the fact that maybe this doesn't work because he had such a black and white first season, you know, everything up to Christmas was fantastic. And then everything after was terrible. Yeah. Uh, we had, you know, we had, we had probably league winning form or promotion winning form for three or four months at the start. And then 
a run of dreadful, worse than relegation for, well, you can't have worse than relegation, but like worse than the relegation candidates. They all kind of outperformed us in that period of time. Yeah. So, and so I, I would hope if, if we're in this scenario, which seems to have been the norm with managers, that it's a year rolling contract, I would hope in the re-up, we've probably sort of done a bit of, of self-preservation there. I don't know whether that will have happened because again, we're back to playing football manager. Uh, but I would hope some some sense would have prevailed and sort of said, well, you know, there's every chance. Let's let's hope for the best that this this does work out and he carries he manages to refine that good form. But also the chances are we've had longer of bad form than than the good form. So let's like make sure we're covered for the eventuality that actually what we've been served up for the last six months is is what what we get from him. Um and we're probably going to have to get rid of him early doors. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I just, I mean, sensible decision making doesn't seem to be at the core of what the club does. So uh, I might, I might be miles off in that case. Mm. Um, but I, I just would hope somebody, because that was the reality of the situation. Was this was very much, and I, we all wanted to believe that we could turn things around. It was bad eggs in the um, dressing room, and there was now togetherness and all. I think. We both of us have felt bought into that and wanted to feel mm. that, and that's fine. But the results need to do, you know, need to speak for themselves as well. Social media videos are fine, but performances and results are the the sort of end all be all of of football. Um, and you can get away with bad performances as long as you're getting results. The problem with Gary Monk is we were having neither, and I think we'll we'll obviously come on to the new man in post. We'll, we'll talk about that, but. We were, I was sort of saying, we, we're we're essentially playing long ball football. We're just doing it badly. We're playing mm. effective first football ineffectively. So we've got none of the good stuff of that, but all of the bad stuff. Um, and I was surprised by the timing because, as, as I say, I felt like he'd kind of somehow managed to get, you know, had another little like, squeeze of adrenaline um into into the lifeline of his managerial career at Wednesday um but I was disappointed in his statement where he's like well we 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 managed to achieve our target which was to get out of the negative points by the international window it's like well no you didn't Gary DeMarco did on the pitch you failed to get out like we you didn't get out of the negative market margin by the international break the six yeah. points got you out of there. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I mean, everything's happened so quickly. The thing that I, I haven't been able to kind of address and talk to you about, Rich, is how does how does the points deduction being halved, how does that give us a, you know, how is that changing our expectation of this season? If we, if we were sat here and we were looking forward to the next game with Gary Monk as the manager, I, don't, I would be expecting a season of hopefully scraping by because i i mean in a weird way i i feel like we were probably this is awful and it's not good but i think we'd probably be on course for what i i feel like me and you predicted which is staying up by the skin of our teeth yeah exactly yeah that's you know and that would be deemed a success a success in a season where you know pre-season every other fan and prediction person who predicted this league had written sheffield wednesday off yeah Everyone thought, no one's coming back from that. You're done, basically. 
do you think we're, any, all, we're already think... preparing preparing you know digging the hole for your grave as we speak yes yes um hypothetically though don't you think those headlines or those predictions would have been the same with minus six i don't think it was the the severity of the, the severity of it i think it was it, it was it was formed towards the end of last season plus having a minus total to start with I I I would and then the, I would expect then the added bonus change. of having to have a financially induced culture change. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We sloughed off big experienced names. Some of them were performing up to their name. Some of them weren't. For a kind of hodgepodge of all sorts of different bits and pieces that we hope works. Uh, yeah. So it's just a, it's a weird middling. I don't know. This is the weird thing. I don't think Gary Gary Monk didn't do what I thought Gary Monk would, and that's disappointing. And that is ultimately a failure. There's no way we can do it around that. I think that you know the very much the Gary Monk narrative, like you said, this like revisionist history. Right? He can go into the next thing if he is granted another opportunity at this level and point to other factors that were against him again. I don't know. I, yeah, I, yeah. But I, I but never, I, for a, I never for a second felt that Gary Monk was, by the way of his rhetoric and what he was saying, I didn't think he was a manager like Billy Davies, who I notoriously dislike, who comes out, you know, managing the opposition side, and you know, you only thankfully see this, see this, this villain, this pantomime villain, every two, twice a season, on a <laughs> seasonal rotation. You know, I remember one game we played Forrest and um, he came to town and he came out and said if it was a boxing match, the referee would have would have ended it early. And I'm like, yes, what, yes. What, what world are you living in? I, I don't feel maybe that's it. Maybe we've never typically had those characters come out with, you know, are such deniers and people you know when they talk you know that, having that, that particular character sort of delusion yeah yeah that. having that deluded but then the, the 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 flip side of that delusion is those people all believe like the people that irk me people like in the mold of billy davies they have such a huge and massive belief in themselves i think it's completely unfounded <laughs> but they're fine you know they're fine they're they're the god in their world you know they do you know you know, they drop the toast on the floor and blame the toast, you know? <laughs> yes, yeah. Interestingly, he's not had a job for a long time now. No. <laughs> so I was going to say, I'd kind of rather have his name linked than some of the people. <laughs> well, let's talk about, I mean, I, I yeah. know this is a bit kind of previous now because we know who the, um, you know, almost expressly time to ruin a podcast that records at the weekend. They, uh, they, Tony Pulis was named uh, just in time. But some of those other names. So obviously, Tony Pulis was close last. Had to believe that Monk sort of pipped him at the post, which mm. I guess we'll talk about when we talk about Pulis himself. Um, but. Out of those other names, there was sort of the, oh, well. I mean, there was some some really sort of left field ones that maybe we don't want to talk about. Maybe we do. Um, but Paul Cook was is a kind of evergreen option. It seems um, Paul Cook was the best of what I felt was out there. I really felt that Paul Cook would be a decent appointment for a club like ours in our position. And I know I think we've talked about this. I don't think that you're too convinced. I don't. I just don't know that he's ever done what you know what we need him to do i think his successes have come at generally clubs with the biggest budget mm. 
in the league and an expectation that they will take the league. Um, it's hard to sort of imagine that with when with the way that Chesterfield are now, but I believe that they'd spent quite a lot of money the season that he got them promoted. You know, they were kind of the bully boys of that league. Um, and the same goes for, for Wigan. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, pro- I, I wouldn't have been unhappy to see Paul Cook, but I, 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 just, I just sort of feel he's one of these guys that's maybe got a reputation that's slightly larger than his achievements at this point. Well, that's, that's an interesting point. I think that's fair. Um, but I also like to say that, like, I felt more despair for, like, Monk going, not because he's a man who deserves to lose his job, but more because I was not looking forward to what was going to be linked. You know, we... Yeah. Again, this has foiled our kind of plans for a podcast. We talked about, like, this joking concept of how happy coach Sackius to warrant as one and all, yes. you know, it's, it's that favorite holiday of all Wednesday nights, the season that commenced with the sacking of the manager, the time with year when all <laughs> Wednesday nights put all optimism away with a look at the bookies favorites. We all grant our wish list to Santa Chancery and he nobly discards them for a pragmatic unpopular appointment or a left field appointment. <laughs> You know, I'm imagining me and Rich as excited seven-year-olds living in a house together and sharing a bedroom with separate single beds. We get up <laughs> at 7 a.m. in our jammies, share a look between us of car- cartoon excitement when we see that our stockings are full at the bottom. It's even <laughs> larger than the large lumps of coals we get as Wednesdayites and even bigger than the rare Bruce Satsuma that is mistakenly left for us for the foul <laughs> curse that we embody as ours. We look inside to find it's a head of Gary Monk, which is a balloon filled with tuna with a Gary Monk permajoy face mask on. <laughs> Oh, joy, Luke proclaimed to Rich. The monk solstice is over. Santa Chancery has been and robbed us of our goodwill mince pies. <laughs> you know, we, we don't get to have that. We don't get to have, like, no. the potential of it being potentially someone good. But unfortunately, we know it's going to be something disappointing. <laughs> you know? Maybe yeah. maybe in the festive sense, we can say, like, yes, folks, much like the Star Wars holiday special, it's the different gravy new manager special. Featuring musical guests, Train, Rednecks, <laughs> C.C. Peniston Road, and special appearances, E. from Entourage, and Badger from Bodger and Badger, R.I.P. Bodger. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wrote that down, and then I, I really like the concept of having Bodger, uh, Badger from Bodger and Badger without Bodger, because he's no longer <laughs> with us, which is really sad. Um, but then it'd just be like Badger's puppet. Just lifeless and inanimate. <laughs> Why not have them both there, lifeless and animated? A um, hologram of Bodger. Just like whatever's a, left. Like <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So yeah, I mean, that's the thing. We... <laughs> you know, another thing I was thinking midweek, Rich, was as um, it's it's been a really weird week. I've recently been massively into. David Byrne's American Utopia, which was the recording okay. of his live show at Broadway. Yeah. Where he's doing David Byrne songs and uh, talking head stuff, obviously. And thinking about Once in a Lifetime. <laughs> and thinking about the Kermit the Frog cover of Once in a Lifetime. Oh. And uh, just feel like I want to say, you may find yourself wanting a more expensive hoofball merchant than the one you ordered. <laughs> You may find yourself behind the wheel of a large football club. <laughs> My God, what has he done? My God, what has he done? <laughs> but anyway, I'm jumping around all over the narrative. I'd like well, to come out with something like, I'd like to get all that stuff that we planned out of the way for a bit of levity yeah. and 
hopefully a bit of mirth because it's pretty grim going from here isn't it rich it, it is i, I mean I, I don't know whether any other names were were worth mentioning but were there any names that you th- sort of thought <laughs> at least it's not them when when the when the actual candidate was named i genuinely don't know what planet you would be on to think of soul Sol soul caliber uh yes the dreamcast uh beat him yeah up that would Sol be weird caliber. The first, the first video game fighter as manager of Sheffield Wednesday would be yeah. really strange. That would, that would be effective. when App takes over the club because <laughs> Pappy, Pappy Chad series really had a long hard life. And maybe if I, maybe App down. takes over, we can have Salt Bay as our new manager. Maybe. <laughs> um, I, I don't think I don't really understand any any world where Sol Campbell is a legitimate managerial i mean it to, to be fair if he needs i understand he's had a pretty bad time in management Saul campbell mm. maybe if he still believes in his acumen as a manager he definitely needs to keep managing at the lower league level and do something positive before any opportunity should arise that at this level like i would be absolutely disgusted i'm sure it's just agent talk but it's depressing to see his name on the bookies list really and- and similarly i would say the same for john terry who was another name that was sort of mentioned i don't want anyone having their first go at this at sheffield wednesday oh and he's got no link to the club whatsoever yeah like i would Mm yeah similarly i would be aghast if we took that sort of silly plunge as well graham alexander was another weird one as well i was like really Mm. and then obviously someone with links to the club uh we had uh ryan lowe was um, mm, but, was another, another but that's name. more of the the constant dialogue of do we go for a progressive we like old players we like old players well there's that but there's also he he's that he's that i mean he was never really a club legend so that's he's not it's almost not really worth mentioning uh, remember when he did that really sense. quite flamboyant warming up at Tramia? I think that makes a legend, Luke. I think if the bar is so low that we have a Sheffield United honours board of legends, <laughs> like if Leon Clark is a legend of Elaine, then uh, <laughs> then sure, just 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 side on Ryan. Um, but but Ryan's more in the Ryan Ryan Low. Sorry, why am I calling by his first name? Sounds like he's a mutual friend of the podcast. Right, right, yeah. Right, 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 low. Um, he he's in that mold of a lower league manager who's having great success. Yeah. So the and question is the time. Like it, it seems like a logist a time for him to change gears and move up in terms of which I wouldn't besmirch him, but then it it never seems. I don't know how much it it ever. Well, there are more it. times you think of it not working out, and it it also seems to be marred with not working out Wednesday. You know. Well, that's it. In, the, in that sort of virus valley when we were doing things in place of uh, football matches um, and we read through the, the history of Sheffield Wednesday, it felt like we have been in the position to appoint the probably slightly cheaper option, but mainly he's an exciting young prospect manager so many times and we've taken that option so many times and it has never ever worked out for us um it's always just come with crushing failure afterwards so it i i i almost wouldn't wish us in our current position on ryan Lowe. i think it's too big of a job for somebody that's so sort of young in their career and again he's a guy that's 
maybe been fairly lucky with the clubs he's been at. I don't know. I, I, I don't want to speak too much on that because I, I don't know the situation mm. precisely. But <clears throat> unlike the championship, it's quite easy to be like the big stack bully in League Two and League One. Uh, it doesn't take that much investment to be suddenly the team. Um, and, well, which I think Salford City is kind of a, a, a point that shows that with the lower leagues, you know you can kind of throw a little bit of money around and all of a sudden you can kind of build a promising team and an academy and all sorts of things. Um, shall we move on then? So we know the, so we, but we the thing I just want to kind of, sorry, go on. sorry, I kind of want to conclude some people like, aren't we almost in that position? I feel like we're almost in a position where we need to gamble. I'd say we're absolutely not in a position. To gamble. <laughs> No, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I, I don't think in the relegation zone is where you gamble. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. So who else can we talk about in terms of prospective managers before before we just? Well, I'm stuff? wondering whether we just need to now get onto the. Uh, okay, the meat of the of the of the of the dinner. Of the, the Welsh, the Welshman in an inappropriate baseball cap in the room. The Welsh rabbit. <laughs> the Welsh rabbit. Move along to the Welsh rabbit main course. So. News. The news broke um, on Friday the 13th of all days that mm. having loomed like a, you know, a dark, dark name over the shadow of the Sheffield Wednesday vacancy for so many years, we finally bit the bullet and appointed Tony Poulis. Uh, it weirdly feels all the more real when you say it, when you, we kind of announce it. When you say it for some reason, it well, just I'm, very, I'm very much the voice of authority, I think, for the club, and I, I want to give it the full weight of the announcement to give him his full name, which is <laughs> Anthony Richard Pulis. Um, <laughs> Tony the Third. <laughs> so, I mean, in a way, it's so in a way, it's well, one, it's it's been frustrating. It scuppered some plans we had. We were going to do fake interviews and things like that. It's all gone because we had to rush out with the good news. But it also means the fact it sort of happened late in the day on on a Friday. It means we haven't had a press conference, which feels odd. Yeah. Um, I know there's no real rush. I know there's not. I, I believe he's sort of taking training today or being introduced to the players today. Mm. Why we couldn't have done a press conference on a Saturday, I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Uh, well, that's going to be Monday now, isn't it? That's Monday is when we're today. going to hear yeah. from him for the first time. Um, Which I, I think we needed, we really, really needed that. I think we needed that as fans. I the, don't like the, 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 the some the press, press conference, conference, the bit of rhetoric. Yeah, I think that would make a lot of us feel a bit better about this. I mean, for Tony, for Tony the Third, now is the winter of our discontents, made tedious by this son of Newport. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think it's fair to say, uh, and, and uh, there was. I, I never know quite how representative Twitter is of the fan base as a whole, or even Al's talk. I think um, it's hard to tell how 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 representative that is of the, of the fan base as a whole. Um, but there were several polls and things like that, and it's fair to say appointing Tony Pulis was not probably the fans' first choice, um, and may well have been for most fans the kind of worst option of the of the viable ones. Have you, having had sort of, you know, 24 hours or so to, to mull things over and think about it, do you feel, how do you feel about the appointment now? 
as as it's sort of the the reality of it is sinking in you know i've i think that i'm still i i, I mentioned that needing that press conference to kind of help me through this period yeah you know it is a sense of grieving it is a sense of mourning and it's still coming away to acceptance you know i've i've probably done a few i've, I've read a few articles i saw i watched rob statton's interview with lewis bugston about tony pulis i who's think looking, i listened who's what he's looking fit as a butcher's dog we could get him back out on the pitch i reckon i think so yeah, bring back Captain Bucky. That's what I say. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and then I listened to, I think, I haven't listened to it much previously, the Peter Crouch podcast. Okay. They had one where they interviewed Pulis. They brought him on. I watched the one-hour address, I think, from three years ago at, at uh, Oxford, the Oxford Union. You know, they get all the uh, the lucky, lucky toffee oiks who go to... Uh, <laughs> university in oxford and they just get people in every week to celebrities for the students to yeah. you know some brilliant vantage position that they have in life that they can just bring in people endlessly to ask some questions about so i, I watched that um i watched some stuff about you know a little bit more of his tactics which i think i know i think i had a good idea of who tony pulis is through his previous teams the thing I'm saying is I've gone through all this process. I still don't feel better about it. You know, if we were doing this prospective manager special, we would go through all the names and you'd bring up Tony Pulis and I'd be like, that's you'd boo. That's the one I would want the least. I know. I, so there's I think... no there's no percentage of want. It's not even a, a <laughs> 0.01% of want for Tony Pulis. There's, just, there's throw... nothing. There's, there's really just nothing there. Can I be the... I don't know what the positive equivalent of a devil's advocate is. Can I be the angel's advocate? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, I distinctly remember, maybe this is like, maybe this is an imagined memory and it didn't actually happen, but I remember Megson being the, the bogeyman of the Sheffield Wednesday managerial position for a long, long time. Mm. He'd always get interviewed, he would always get mentioned, and nobody wanted him. I know there's a personal connection, but I remember him getting appointed, and, and that, that he was appointed in this similar sort of thing where if you were talking about all the various names linked, he was the one that nobody wanted because he had, came with this sort of negative reputation in terms of the football that he played. And Megson was an absolute shot in the arm for the club. Mm. And in many ways, instrumental in turning it around, getting the fan base back on board. Um, and over time, I, and I think you could not argue that the football was good. I don't think I would, you know, I wouldn't listen to anybody telling me that the football under Gary Megson was anything other than very sort of <laughs> effective, efficient route one at best. And, you know, the downsides of that when it when it wasn't working quite so well. Mm. But we had an, we had an identity about the way we played. I I understood as a fan what we were about, what we were trying to do, what success looked like for our club, mm. um, and we were hard to beat. And we've had two managers out of the last three that promised being hard to beat and fight and battle. Mm. We haven't had any of it. We have been. We are the softest team. I don't remember what I, I was not. So I'm, I'm I'm young enough that the fall from the Premier League 
is a fairly vague memory for me. Like I, I remember bits and pieces of it, but I do remember that the that year and the interview and the sort of years immediately following. I remember that softness about the way that we played. Uh, we were, you know, we were an easy kind of defence to get through. We led in, got we leaked goals, and that's where we're back to. I mean, yeah, Monk. <laughs> I mean, it's so weird that the good performances are built on the whole team defending. But the bad performances, that everything melted away and it was just a very poor defence and goalkeeper exposed again and again. I mean, we've got fairly used to losing 3-0 or more, which is a crazy position to be in. So in a way, I'm looking forward to actually, you know, it, it does what it says on the tin. And mm. if we can be hard to beat, a tough nut to crack, I can probably take some pride from that. I can probably get sure. some enjoyment from that. Well, because I know that's I know that's your favourite song. Is you're a big hard fi fan, is on you, Rich? <laughs> Rock in the city. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I am a huge hard fi fan. He's, so, he's, often, he's often telling me we're all working for the cash machine. <laughs> so I think I think sort of putting putting my most positive possible spin on things. Mm. I think. I can see those links to, I can see those comparisons with Megson. Obviously he doesn't have the, he's not steeped in a personal history, multi-generational history with the club, which mm. he won't be able to emulate. But but I would I would rather have a second spell with Megson. Despite the fact that he's not managed a club for 10 years or whatever it is. <laughs> well, since us. Pretty much, isn't it? Uh, yeah, that was it. He's not had another... He's had not, not another bite of a cherry since, has he? No. Um, it, yeah, so that would have been nine years, maybe eight, eight and a half years to be to be academic about this, I think. He did have that caretaker spell at West Brom to kind of break things up, but it doesn't really count, does it? No, that was, um, well, hilariously, that was him helping his best mate Tony out. <laughs> yes, yes. Because Pulis, Pulis and him are huge, huge mates, aren't they? Yeah. As is, um, I think there was a bit of a contentious thing because Pulis is huge mates with Ian Holloway. And Pulis came to take over uh, Holloway at Palace. Right. And left under a bit of a cloud at... Uh... And I mean, also, there's not... I think a lot of people have said this as well, Rich, but just to make the point, um, Pulis took over from Monk at Middlesbrough. He did. Mm-hmm. And that's his last managerial... Managerial spell. But I mean, that's still spell. up to... A year ago now? No, two years. Yeah. No, it was last year, wasn't it? It was 2019. Time is time is becoming very strange during these times. I mean, I know there's different expectations. So you're uh, you're supposed to be so, a kind of promotion winning club, but yeah, that his record at Middlesbrough looks very nice to me, having sat and watched Gary Monk's Sheffield Wednesday for a few for the last sort of six seven months. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's disappointing because it's like this is what I think this is almost what we expected Monk would be with a bit more flair, really. Yes, this is my expectation for for the Gary Monk, um, you know, tin of tin of biscuits that we got off a shelf <laughs> at uh, Tesco. We looked at the label and this is what we said it would do, and it, it didn't do that at all. So the disappointing thing makes me think now is how much of a failing is that? It's it's definitely a failing on Gary Monk. But I also want to say how much of this is a failure on um, the the players that we have on the club. Well, I suppose that's the next question. So in terms of how we feel about Pulis, I think mm. fair to Pul- say Pulis has had Pulis has done some good things. He's not a his his football is you know 
from from land before time. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> you know. I believe the meteor initially came down, and a diplodocus chested it down <laughs> and put some snow on it and hoofed it, hoofed it around the world, and, and then it crashed, and then it, uh, and then it caused the death of all the dinosaurs. Um, but like, I mean, outside of that, records aside, he's done. He's had a very positive record. He did brilliant things, considering with his style at Stoke, he did an exceptional. Um, he did an exceptional escape. You know, he escapes. He he clutched victory from the jaws of defeat at Palace to stay up. Yeah, yeah. West Brom. He was all, he was all right. I think he he didn't go so great there. Borough hasn't been particularly good. But the disappointing thing with Borough, I, I think he's definitely. I don't think he did a particularly good job at Borough, considering that I think everybody in that expected you know expected them to get promoted with the squad that they had. And let's remind ourselves that they had you know a Sambalonga scoring. I think the season they failed in the playoffs, he scored. Sambalonga had 16 goals for them, and they had Traore as well. Yeah. Um, so the second kind of question is, do we have the personnel to do? I don't know what Monk was trying to achieve. I also <laughs> don't think we like whatever Monk's idea was, which I still don't think was ever fully conveyed and put on the football pitch. I can definitely tell you, I don't think we had any enough of the personnel to do what Gary Monk wanted to do. So the question then becomes, do we have the personnel to do what Tony Pulis wants to do? I've seen a lot of stuff about him doing a 4-2-3-1 with two very active defensive midfielders. Mm. It, it's a miracle we have two of our defensive midfielders that are fit these days. <laughs> yes, yeah. Unless we want to put Bannon back down then because he can, you know, he can ping some, ping some Diags, you know, for, well, he, from quarterback role. Uh, I'm just looking, I mean, looking at Borough, I mean, that season, so Gary, he took over from Gary Monk who had spent a lot of money. Gary Monk spent a lot of money, yeah. A lot, a lot of money. Um, so he took over when they were in ninth position and they did finish fifth. So they finished in the playoffs. And then the next season, they finished just outside. They were seventh. So, I mean, it's not, it's probably not what was necessarily hoped for, but that he wasn't in charge of spending that 50 million. He was, no. he was working with what Gary Monk had spent 50 million pounds on, which, well, I don't know how different they are as managers, to be honest, having watched the, the football under Gary Monk. I don't think. I think that's well. Sorry, this uh, just it's another thought that's popped in, into my head because Lewis Buxton talked in that interview about the fact you know watching a season of successful football under Tony Pulis, it was not all long ball. There was nice football, and I think that's a weird kind of distinction. I don't think any team always plays nice football, and I don't think any team no. always plays hoofball. And I think mm. what what I think what Pulis tends to do, and I've seen, I've probably seen the same sort of tactical videos as you. Um, it, it's probably not a million miles away from the way we played under Paul Sturrock, and it, it's percentage football. It's not, it's not playing it nicely round the back. But what, you, but there's an aim to how you play forward. So we've under Gary Monk suffered since Christmas. Um, and possibly, I think we were as bad before Christmas, but I think Stephen Fletcher was just uniquely good at making aimless balls forward look better than they were. Yeah. Um, like a goalkeeper doing a Hollywood save, Stephen Fletcher is to the the um, the unaimed hoof out from the back. And so this kind of aimless balls forward that nobody can possibly hope to tack, you know, win the, the header for, and there's no room to build forward momentum from. That is worse than 
a team that is well drilled and knows what they're doing. And generally, it seems to be the case with with uh, Pulis teams, and it was the case under Sturrock. Generally, what you're doing is playing it into the channels so that your wide players can then influence the game, get balls in the box, and you can score goals. And uh, that doesn't sound a million miles away from what we've watched, but if we do that better, that's got to be an improvement, hasn't it? It's maybe oh, yeah. not the improvement that we want to see. <laughs> But I don't think I don't think any team ever like because people say like oh they're such you such and such is a you know they're oh they're a real footballing side they're, particularly in the championship but most goalkeepers kick it long I'd say probably at least a third if not half the time even the teams that insist on playing out from the back don't do it always um, so there it's just it's easy to paint someone in a completely sort of monotone light when when you're not watching it week to week but I remember under Sturrock nice bits of football really enjoyable bits of like wing play and things like that um and and I would I hope there'll be things to enjoy still under Pulis and if we're if we're taking points and winning games that does make everything feel a lot better yes no I I agree with that um the thing that worries me, though, is, is like, you know, the thing I was asking you and saying, you know, should we be in the position now of gambling? I was hoping for, I was hoping for at least, because that's the problem. It's like, you've you've hired Monk. You thought Monk would do this. Monk hasn't done this. So you bring in a more expensive option to do what Monk should have been doing in the first place. It's It's depressing. I was kind of hoping for a bit of a change of philosophy of football. But then Monk wasn't supposed to be a long ball merchant. It just, that's what we ended up doing under him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, and and Yos, any successes he had were were always long, long ball. A lot of what Bruce had us do was long ball. Um, I mean, really, we haven't played football since Carlos, and mm. I, I just think there's a preference that you know there's def, there's a distinct preference for at least owning what you're doing and doing it properly. Uh, it's interesting. You, I mean, yeah, with the how do. You, what do you do that suddenly makes these players that have fa- been failing miserably defensively? So what do you do that makes them turn things round? I don't know. But then that's the manager's job, isn't it? I know. The the, the defensive organisation piece that Pulis is probably hopefully going to bring in, and that seems to be a common theme, is that essentially the you know the defenders are pretty much holding hands yeah. know, mentally, if not physically. Um that's something that I think is is going to be fantastic. I mean, the, the thing of being hard to beat is fantastic. Keeping clean sheets is a thing. That's that's kind of what I expected from Monk. I expected us to be organized, expected to be well drilled, and he was astonishingly poor when it wasn't because that's the only thing that I'm fucking here for under yeah. his kind of tenure. Um, that's that's his biggest sin. You know, I I feel that we if we did things right, we could have had a season where you know even. Talked, we, you know, I joked on a previous podcast about how if the defense is good, then we'll get a golden glove for Cameron Dawson. Yes, yes. You know, if they do their jobs well enough, we won't need to see Dawson flap it into his net. You know, put a wee bit of uh, wee bit of spin on it from his hands, even into the into the paths of the opposing strikers or bit of into the back so of the net. Doesn't roll too fast to them. Bit of backspin on it. There you go. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Um, well, okay, so that, I, I think this probably naturally kind of brings us on to talking about the squad. I mean, there's, there's interestingly, there's a clip of Barry Bannon being very <laughs> uh, sort of sage and um, and actually kind of like <laughs> almost pleased that um, that Tony Pulis, when he, I presume it, it was Palace he came into, 
basically told him, I don't have any use for you, so you'll be out your out on your backside as soon as uh, as soon as I can get rid of you. Um, in, I'm sure he said it in much nicer terms. He said, you know, you're a lovely footballer. If I was going to play football, you'd be you'd be my guy. But um, you're not. I'm not, and you're not. Uh, and it's you know, Bannon is being very nice about that situation. But why do we? I mean, it'd be interesting to see what this squad looks like. I mean, if we follow that stereotypical, what we imagine from the outside, having not watched it week to week, what we imagine a Tony Pulis side to look like, I'm guessing we'd have all of the big boys playing across the back. So I would think I offer may well go back to right back because he's another chance to get a six foot plus guy. In <laughs> your I don't. I mean, I'm not. Uh, I'm. I'm. I don't know. I mean, I might be wrong, but uh, I'm thinking you probably end up with a fit again. Flint would be a first choice. Mm, oh yeah. Well, he's he's previously creamed all over Flint, but then weirdly it didn't. <laughs> weirdly, it didn't really work out for him at Middlesbrough. So I don't. Yeah. I don't know. And maybe Van Aken for his height, but he doesn't have much battle in him, does he, Van Aken? He's no, but that's we've got a lot of timid. We've got a lot of timid centre backs, so. Yeah. This is the problem. I don't. I don't know. I. But uh, to be generous, I think this would be the same problem with any manager coming in. Is we've got um, wingers though. I think that that sets us up for if it's playing down the channels and trying to get those wingers into games. We've got we've got wingers. I think we may see a resurgence of Adam Reach under a Pulis potentially. Do you not, not agree? Could do. Um, I don't know. I, I I think it'd be more beneficial to have a manager come in and try and try and see if they can play some football. That would be. I don't think they're so ridiculously and awfully far off. I think I'm sure there'll be an extent of what you've got. I just don't know what. I don't know what I our mean, team is about. I don't know what sure. we're good at because we're not good at very much, really. The times I enjoyed, I mean, like if we had the pace to for the counter attack and we had the power, that felt very much like what it was under Megson. I enjoyed the attacking play under Megson, mm. you know. But the problem was when it worked. When it doesn't work, we're still in a position of being like, "That was pretty shit today, wasn't it?" Yeah, that's that's the problem. I mean, that's that's that seems to be the big difference. If you're playing. If you're playing on the deck and being nicey nicey, you can have games where it's like, oh, you know, we were we were we were rubbish today. Yeah. You know, or games like, well, it didn't work today, but you know, yeah, but we played some nice stuff, so it, it kind of gives you promise for the games where maybe in the future, next next game, it will work. That seems to be the big difference. I suppose I'm taking, I may be being too short sighted in this, but but we haven't had that under Monk for so long either. No, no. Uh, because more often than not, it's just been, well, I just don't know where goals, what the plan was ever to score goals. No, no. Cause I thought we'd, this was the thing is I thought we'd be good at set pieces and we seem to go completely to shit on set pieces. Yeah. Right. And that's, that seems to be a big Pulis thing. Yeah. It seems it's a big percentage mentality. It's a big, you know, we've got strong athletic players who are huge, who are seven foot, nothing, you know. One of the, the you know, listened to so much Tony Pulis, and I felt fair enough. You know, the guy's not an idiot. The guy's had a big career. He knows a lot. He's got some interesting kind of foibles. It didn't warm me to any more of him as a human being. No. Um, he talked about when, you know, they joked about on the Peter Crouch podcast episode he was on about when they signed Crouchy, and he said, Well, I wanted to turn us from a rugby team to a basketball team. And it's like, ha, ha, ha. But I was like, That's not. 
that doesn't endear me anymore to you. But I mean, again, it's it's all creating <laughs> positions. It's it's it is percentage football. It's creating you're trying to create something positive in those situations and trying to get to those situations as quick as possible. Whether it's a long haul, you know, hoofed ball, or you directly just get it in the mixer from a corner. But I mean, I don't know how different it will look if it works. I don't know how different it will look to how we were playing under Bruce. <laughs> Bruce. Um. Like that—that's the the oasis of good stuff in the midst of <laughs> all all happens in the final third. It's just a question of how you get there, right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I liked it. It feels like what it was good when it was good under Mexen. Yeah, yeah. You know, the attacking play was good. I mean, it was sparse, but if you make it count, we look deadly. We look effective. It tends to be good for. You remember the 4-4 game with Huddersfield? Yeah. That, was that really feels... I mean, we, you know, the biggest sin of that is conceding four goals to Jordan Rhodes, albeit a much younger, much more confident, much more mobile Jordan Rhodes. And then, you know, spending... That was a different guy. That was a different It was guy. a different different player completely. Joe Danos Rhodes, who played for, played for Huddersfield <laughs> that time. But the goals in that game were scintillating. Yeah. That was the cream of it. And do you know? So there, you, that, that to to kind of have a model of not the best goalkeeper, but actually the best defense in a way. Mm. Stephen Bywater barely could move, and Stephen Bywater managed to play on for years after he left us as well. But he mm. could, he could, he never looked comfortable making saves. But he was confident, loud, and whatever else. He, and the defence were good enough that he was just never pressured. That, so that is kind of a model <laughs> that, that that could cope. You know, one of our two young-ish goalkeepers could cope under that because it, it's all about the amount of strain they're put under, really. Um, and I, I loved Bywater's work. I, I always felt very calm with him in goal, but I, ne- I, I ne- was never under any delusions about his ability as a goalkeeper. Mm. If it didn't go straight at him, it was in. <laughs> but he was really good at organising his defence and making sure they didn't cramp him and all the rest of it. So to kind of sort of so looking at the squad, I, I mean, it, it's going to be really interesting to see what he what what he makes of the players that we have because I do feel we're we're very kind of formless and shapeless. We don't have an identity about the way mm. we play. Um, we might see some surprising things from players. I mean, I, I suppose that's one of the things with, <laughs> but like playing the playing in, with the wing backs. That I, I don't know that Kadeem Harris has ever been asked to play wing back in his life before, and turns out he's he's pretty good at it. And same with Jacob Murphy; he'd never done it in his life, and he's now doing it in the Premier League. So sometimes you're asked to do different things, and you do them very well. It might be that. Bannon works really well with the with enough kind of protection. There's a job for him just sitting back and playing quarterback, launching balls forward. Uh. I think he's being he's been asked to do too much by Monk, and it's wearing him out. It's our players been suffering from it. So maybe he gets a role that's a bit more fitted to his. You know the amount of miles that are on the clock. I mean, that, that's the I don't. You don't like to look at. I mean, he's just he's absolutely fit as a butcher's dog. Is is Barry Bannon? Um, but whether it's mentally or physically, the way he was being asked to play was was just felt like it was 
too big of a demand on him. And once we got to kind of the 60 minute mark, it felt like he was spent by and large. So maybe maybe we'll see a new lease of life with Bannon if he's if he's asked to do a different role. Or maybe mm-hmm. maybe he has the the Crystal Palace conversation and it'll be, you know, I'll move you on. If I can move you on in January, I'll move you on. And if not, you know, see you at the end of the end of your contract. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to know who's going to become. Oh, no, you know, it, I think a lot about, I was thinking about when Megson was here and they're not exactly the same manager. They're similar, right? It's yeah. a similar kind of ethos. So I, I, I think I'm free to kind of go ahead and kind of meander with this this mentality. But I loved it. <laughs> I remember, do you remember his stuff about Jermaine Johnson, where I basically said, you know, just do it, just do it in the second, you know, in the op- opposition half. Don't bother doing yes, the stuff like yes. you're doing, you know. And he was a guy that really benefited from very simple because it felt like he'd basically been told if it was on your it was on your left foot run if it's on your right foot shoot kind of thing and that worked really well for us it worked really well for him he had some great goal scoring seasons for us mm. so I'm, I'm wondering about whether that's going to cause a benefit to our Y players um you know maybe we've been asking too much of Kadim Maris maybe so- we're asking too much of Adam Reach as a result maybe maybe a philosophy that simplifies things is a positive for those players but are we setting ourselves up now that if he's not the second coming of Gary Megson, we're going to be doubly disappointed? <laughs> or maybe it could be better than Gary Megson. I don't know. I just yeah, I yeah. We're just we're very. I I feel we're we're obviously getting to the point now. We're we're cautiously trying to bring a bit of optimism around an appointment that really doesn't exactly. inspire us. I think you know? you've got to look at. I mean, they they did get fed up in the end. But what he did at Stoke was tremendous. Yeah, definitely. And the fans loved it. Mm. The Britannia Stadium was a crazy place to go and play. I mean, it became its own challenge, you know. Mm. Can you do it on a rainy Tuesday in Stoke? But that was because they're bloody hard to beat. <laughs> yeah. And the atmosphere then I, I was think... intense. I mean, imagine being in a Hillsborough that's intense. I mean, obviously at the moment... Imagine being in a, in Hillsborough, but it's a long time since that felt like a cauldron. Mm. It's more of a cauldron inside the home bargains in Hillsborough. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I, there's another thing about the fact that like Pulis seems to instill an underdog mentality. Maybe we could do with a bit of that. We I feel we could have done with a bit of that for quite a while. But there's there's such a weird kind of scope and expectation around our club, which we feed into as fans. And I, I think I, I love everything about our fan base. Mm. So to kind of like, I, I guess, kind of come full circle here mm. in terms of, we, we sort of talked about what does, what does six points back do in terms of aims and uh, predictions for the season? What, what does this appointment do along with the fact that we're now, you know, we're on, we're in positive point territory. We're off the bottom We've got a new manager taking over. Um, what does that do to your sort of predictions, expectations for the for the season going go, going on from here? I think even if it's bad, I think we'll still do what I thought Monk would have done in the season, which is stay up. That's the thing that kind of worries me. Was it worried me about the news that he has a big survival bonus, Tony Pulis? Like it's it, we're getting to the point now. We're admitting I don't like the admission that it's a firefight. Yeah. You know, I don't like the admission that now that's what it's become at this football club because everything else just seems so positive. But maybe, unfortunately, that's just the 
the lying rhetoric, maybe rhetoric, maybe that's, you know, we're not all coming out and maybe not all ha- either ha- A, have the belief or B, have a delusion of Shay Dunkley that we're going <laughs> to. Um, good old Shay Dunkley. Good old Shay Dunkley. But are we expecting to see him back? Eventually, but then they had an under 23s game the other day and he didn't play. Oh. The under 23s won a game. That was some news. That's something. That's something. Against Bristol City, apparently, under 23s are quite good. Oh, and I think go. the reason we played was basically because all our under 23s who would have graduated to the full first team squad went back to the under 23s. <laughs> <laughs> so it was full of uh, Big O and full of Penny and uh, and, and the like. And uh, your boy, your boy, Showy. Yeah, boy. So. Yeah, I, so I think that to me, uh, well, I, I, it's interesting that because it's, it's such a closed shop, really, under Chinsiri. Like, there's not huge amounts of leaks and rumours and things do t- seem to happen quite out of the blue, or at least the timing of things is quite out of the blue. This clause that Pulis supposedly has giving him a, a big bonus for survival, I just find that interesting because so much around the club seems to be a pretty sort of drum tight in terms of rumours and things getting out. It seems an odd thing to put out there if that's a chosen bit of you know, we've already talked about, we're a club that doesn't tend to say how long contracts are publicly. So to then say, oh, and by the way, they've got a clause that's going to give them a nice payout if they survive, feels like a weird added detail to, to give to somebody. I'm not saying that journalists just make things up, but I don't know that it's worrisome in and of itself because, again, there might be a clause that says, well, if you finish 10th you get double that and if you finish in the playoffs you get triple that for all Mm. we know i think for me (laughs) i was disappointed with the naming of of pulis i don't think there's any two ways around that um it was a it was a heart sink gut punch type moment um but for me it sort of as i say i immediately sort of thought well i think we will be hard to beat now i think we'll be safe I think we'll probably be comfortably safe. Um, I wouldn't go quite so far to say that we'll start, we'll be sort of nibbling at promotion places, but I would not be surprised if we finish in the top half of the table now, which I don't know I could have, well, I wouldn't have predicted that under Monk, given the start that we've had. If we if we were sat at this international break saying, assessing the season so far and where do we think we'll go, I would be still hoping that we finish outside the relegation places and maybe we're lucky enough to get to 20th whereas now i wouldn't be surprised if we're 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 fairly comfortably out of that conversation but that might be based on i might be putting far too much faith in tony pulis because this squad is it's hard to know what's there in this squad really i think last season i could fairly comfortably say that monk wasn't getting the value out of the players that he had i'm less sure of that this season there's, two, mm. there's a lot of unknown quantities for me. I still don't know about the front line. I think Windass looks like he should be good and exciting, whether it's all a bit of noise and lights and there's not much substance. That is definitely a possibility. Patterson's very hardworking, but I don't know. I don't know what ability is there at the end of the day. Marriott feels like a complete miscue. Kachunga looks good, but he's not a striker. Um, Fizeo Deli Bashiri is is so young still. Uh, there's been little bright sparks, but it's it's very limited his exposure so far. 
I think Luongo's obviously a great player. So's, so's Bannon. Luongo's got big fitness questions again. Uh, I've got questions about the whole of the defence. Mm. Uh, apart from maybe I offer, uh, I don't trust the goalkeepers. So <laughs> I suppose I'm more optimistic than I was about the season when Gary Monk was in charge, which uh, in and of itself is a bit of a positive. But I don't know whether that's just based on it's a castle built on sand in terms of confidence, because I, I am very unsure about this squad of footballers. Yes, I know. I mean, we're going to we'll get there. We'll get to safety. It's just it's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be a long season. It's gonna be tough. I think we were doing that. So, but I understand that Gary Monk isn't really inspiring any of us to do such things. I I think when we looked at the season ahead, and I think we were being realistic. I think we were being pragmatic in our sort of choices and 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 uh, predictions. We wouldn't have envisaged getting to just zero points by this international break. Both of us picked the end of October to be in positive points, and there was three games after that. Yeah. So well, I think we were well behind schedule, personally. We are lucky that there are teams as bad as Derby and Wickham. Would you say we were well behind schedule or way behind schedule? I never quite know which one. I've spent enough time <laughs> working in North America. That, that is a word that I get stuck on, so I never know which one I, I'm mm. supposed to say. No, I mean, but I, I do think we're genuinely lucky that Derby have been as bad as they have and Wickham Wanderers are going to be historically, I think they're going to be like a historically bad championship team. Uh, that, that's my sort of prediction. I think they'll, you know, they may be sort of breaking some records down there um, and Coventry are not far off them. But if you look at the real teams that we would consider our kind of, we would expect ourselves to be kind of shoulder to shoulder with somebody like Forest, somebody like Birmingham, we're another six points off that. So I, I, for me, I just feel like we, yeah, we are, we're behind t- target, I would say. Yeah. For whatever Gary Monk said, I don't believe that the target was to get to zero by this international break. Uh, I, I can only hope that we were planning to be a bit further ahead than that because no. zero, if we were on zero at this international break, I would be worried. Yes. Because we would then be eight points off safety and, 12 points off the next team after that that's cut adrift mm. um and this but this is a very intense period of fixtures things could turn turn around very quickly and it's i i think in terms of timing it felt weird because it felt like maybe monk had bought those four points in a week and the six point penalty reduction felt like it had maybe turned things around a little bit for just mentally mm. That felt so that that timing felt weird, but I think it makes absolute sense to have sacked him when we did because hopefully we've got the new man. And a, a very un Wednesday like thing to do is to give the new man a full week ahead of his first game. Mm. I'm quite pleased about that. I'm yes, gonna, that is that is a good positive. I it's so un Wednesday like. Mm. Now, what you do is you name them at 10 to 3 on the Saturday, so you don't need to pay them for that week. They watch from the stands. The next game's on Tuesday. <laughs> you know, that is normally what we do. Yeah. Just panicking and falling from well, one disaster to the next. The rest of the year, the rest of this, of 2020, we have, let me count here, we have 11 games, basically, when we're back on the 21st. So that's 11 yeah. games between 21st and the end of the year. 
Um, funnily enough, actually around Christmas. So I think the Boxing Day, we're away at Blackburn and then we play the week previously um, home to Coventry. But in between that week, that seems to be the only kind of midweek period or like there's actually a period where it's like there's not a game midweek from what it seems like if I'm getting the times right, right there. Okay. So basically it's as thick and fast as you can imagine. Yeah, 26 uh, Boxing Day this year is a Saturday, basically. Right, okay, so that's why that's... Mm-hmm. Mm. So, a lot of games. A lot, a lot, a lot of games lot to play. Games. There we go. Um, I think probably that's enough for now. All we can do is speculate, but um, hopefully maybe we've <laughs> we've fulfilled our sort of uh, remit of, of finding <laughs> green shoots. Of doing an episode at this time. Amid, amid, the, amid the stinking pile of poo, um, we've, we've maybe found a little a bean sprout or two um, to, to build on. That's such a gross thing. Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> See if we can grow some mushrooms from this. <laughs> Anything from you at this stage, Luke? Or are, we, are, you, are you happy to say cheerio? Happy to finish the episode, I guess. I I feel in the weird place because I feel like I'm not... haven't really... Uh, I feel like this episode's probably as frustrating as... I think it's been a week for Wednesdayites. And frustrating as an appointment. Be... Yeah. 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 We can only work with what we've got, Luke. And uh, what we've got is Sheffield Wednesday at a pretty low ebb. (laughs) Mm. Uh, But who knows? Stranger things have happened. And as I say, I do remember people being distinctly unhappy at Megson getting the job. And that was certainly far from all bad. We just need to line up Dave Jones for the last six games or whatever it is. And then we'll just uh, get promotion. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Well, I look forward to it. glory. Somehow. Oh, if you say it that way, I'm suddenly really optimistic about the rest of the season. <laughs> so, so, somehow, Sheffield United will get relegated. Somehow, one of their players will be found to be a sex pest. And we'll 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 get promoted at their expense. And it'll all be good. Because it's Gary Megson, Mark II. Yay. Yay. <laughs> okay, I'm going to say cheerio, Luke. See you, Rich. <laughs> Thank you.